You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. with the family. Uh, as is our custom, we are a Bible church and we believe that we are an army and a family. I want to call those that are in the back to come on a little bit forward so we don't have any denominational seating right there. We don't believe in that. You know, The denominational church is not really a family. Everyone sits all spaced out because they don't want to be close to one another. But that's not the kingdom of God. We want to be close to one another. Uh, so I'd love to invite you. There you go. we got everybody coming on a little bit forward. That's great. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for today. We pray your spirit be with the message. Father, we know there's such a battle that's out there. And we pray, Father, that we are in the battle. Father, if we don't realize we're in the battle, then maybe we've lost the battle, Father. And we pray to be resurrected through the word of God today. Thank you so much for the church in Manila, Father, for their incredible, incredible faith. Uh, to take so many hits, Father, and to continue to keep fighting, Father. All the great miracles through Richie and Elizabeth McDonald right there. Father, we thank so much for Joe and Carrie, Father. The great miracles there, Father. We so, so, so are encouraged by what your hand is doing in Austral China, Father. We thank you so much for the European Missions Conference, Father. Uh, for the way you moved here in Europe, here in London, Father. And yet we ask that you move even in a greater way, Father. We ask for even greater boldness, greater faith, Father. We pray that you be with the message today, Father. Speak to your people, Father, those that are listening and those that are not. We pray that you speak to those who are from the remnant, Father, that are in our former fellowship, that are watching online, that are too afraid to join the kingdom of God, Father. We pray that you call them out of their comfort zone, Father, that they get out of their comfort zone and they come back to the kingdom of God. Father, we pray for those who are watching all around the world, Father, who are just watching from afar in the comforts of their home, sitting on their couch. They get off their couch. They get down to church. They fall on their knees. They say, preacher, stop your preaching. I want to become a true disciple, Father. We pray that the Holy Spirit be with your people today. Move me out of the way, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn the Bible uh, to Mark chapter 1. I bring you greetings from Austro-China. That would be uh, Sydney, Australia. And uh, what an incredible conference we were a part of. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, it was, God, God had Michelle and I, uh, dare we say, out of our comfort zone. Uh, because after we had such an incredible European missions conference, uh, I think I went to bed about 12.30 at night, that, that Sunday night after all the dancing and the music and the fellowship and the food, which was amazing. I want to lift up all those who are part of that, specifically my wife for coordinating the uh, banquet, which was awesome. Uh, and then, of course, we went to sleep. We had a, an appointment first thing in the morning, uh, and then that was awesome. We got with a couple of, you know, a couple that, you know, hey, what do we need to do? And we had a great time. Before you know it, anyway, hey, we got to pack to go to Sydney. So uh, we packed. We went to Sydney. Uh, short flight, only 20 hours. That's it. Um, that's it. Only, only, only a 20-hour flight. That's it. Uh, and so we landed, you know, in the land down under right there. And let's just say we were a little down under right there, energy-wise. And so, you know, you get a nice long couple-hour break, and then you got the speaker's dinner that night. <laughs> like, whoa. So, you know, God's just like, okay, let's keep the conference going right there. So we had the speaker's dinner. Uh, Joe and Carrie did an amazing job. Fantastic meal. Historic venue that we met in. They gave us all these details about it. Got everyone excited for the Austro-China conference. And then, of course, the next day, we, we, we got with Kip and Elena. Uh, we got some great discipling right there. You know, you always need some great discipling. <laughs> For those visiting, discipling is when someone gets into your life, uses the word of God to teach, correct, and train you to be more like Christ. If you're always looking for something to disciple in someone, you say, well, I don't know what to disciple in this person. You just look at Jesus, you look at that person, and whatever's in between right there, that's what you disciple, amen? And so that's what they did. They go, okay, here's, here's you, Michael, here's Michelle. She's a little bit closer to Jesus. But here's you, and here's, here's Michelle, and here's, here's Jesus. And let's talk about all this stuff in between right there. So we had a good talk right there. Uh, and after that, it was great because that night we had the, uh, the church builders workshop. Uh, great charges, great admonitions to really get us going. Then we drove two hours out of the city uh, to a kind of a remote uh, place similar to our marriage retreat. And that's where uh, we had the conference there. 
Uh, and it was it, it was incredible. I got a little bit nervous. The last time I was in Australia, I got chased by a kangaroo. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I didn't want to get chased by a kangaroo. You know, there weren't a lot of a lot of people of color there, so I didn't know if he thought I was a kangaroo or something or not. So I was like, okay, make sure I don't, don't mistake me, you know, because I was tired. I just gotta walk around like that. But I didn't know if he thought I was a kangaroo or whatever. <laughs> Don't want to get chased by a kangaroo, so I was kind of looking out right there to make sure that I could just worship the Lord. <laughs> and so uh, we got there. It was incredible. I mean, the meals were included, the fellowship, the preaching. Uh, it was it was just incredible. I mean, to speak, I can't go into all of the lessons. Uh, I was so proud of uh, our brother uh, Chris Singers. He's dating in the kingdom of God now, and uh, he's 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 growing. He's getting great discipling, and he says, you know, now that I'm in Australia, and they're so kind of, you know, I can't be a cockney anymore. They won't let me say bruv. <laughs> I'm getting discipled on saying bruv, and I've got to have proper English and this, that, and the other. And so it's great seeing him grow. He's being kind of called out of his comfort zone, so much so that he's joining the uh, the Auckland mission team, and he's going down to, uh, to, to, to New Zealand, and they planted that mission team right there. They had a great send-off, so we got another church that's going to be going out. Uh, and it was amazing. It was amazing. And uh, I'm just so inspired by the work uh, down there and what they're doing. They're, they're, they're literally going after it. And if there's one thing that really stood out to me, there's a lot. But if there's one, one lesson uh, that stood out, it was Joe, Joe's lesson. Uh, please listen to it online if you have time. Uh, and Joe said some very powerful things. Uh, one of the things he said is he says, you know, if you truly, truly, and of course the title of their conference was Transformation. Right to transform, right to be transformed. <laughs> you know that you 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 get you get transformed. Once you get trans, see transform people, transform people. And that was one of the things. You know, hey, if you're not transformed, uh, that that's probably why you're not transforming anybody. You're not really changing anybody because you've not changed. And you know that really helps us to ask ourselves: Have we really changed, or are you still the same? <laughs> Can someone tell you what you're struggling with because they already know? Because you just haven't got out of your comfort zone. You know, it was an incredible, incredible lesson. But Joe, Joe really spoke about how the quiet time or your time with God, that's what feeds you. But it is prayer that changes you. Amen. And it was incredible, it was convicting because, you know, oftentimes for me, I can get very, very deeply fed by my quiet times, by my time with God, by reading the scriptures. And I pray you're fed by the scriptures. If you look for Sunday services to feed you, that means you probably aren't, aren't, aren't alive spiritually. We've got to have our own relationship with God. And if there's one thing the preacher can't do is he cannot walk with God for you. And so we get fed by our quiet times. But what changes us? Prayer. What changed Jesus? Prayer. What got him to be able to do God's will when he says, I can't do it? Was it a discipling time? No. Prayer. Was it brothers getting in his life? No. It was prayer. Was it somebody saying great things to him? Prayer. Was it his parents? No, it was prayer. And it's prayer that changes us. And I think about my own personal life, some of the challenges I've had as a Christian. I've been doing this now. I'm going on 20 years. I'm fired up about that. Uh, but some of my greatest changes in my life have come because I went to God and I prayed. On, and Joe talked about <laughs> Joe talked about his prayer life. He didn't say, hey, you have a one-hour legalistic pharisaical prayer in the morning to be able to tick the box, as we say here in England, and be I had my prayer time. No, he said, you pray until you change right there. And he had some prayers for five and six hours uh, because he was afraid to go into the ministry. He had all-night prayers because he was afraid to do this, afraid to do this, and he knew he needed to change in order to do it. You know, if you really want to change today, I want to challenge you in your prayer life to go and pray until you change. If you pray one day and don't change, go back another. Keep praying until you change. Jesus prayed three times, and he was the son of God. <laughs> he was the son of God, and he took three times for him to change. You know, if there's something something's going to really help you, it's your prayer life. God can change you in prayer. That really stood out to me uh, amongst all the other great lessons there, the great fellowship. And, of course, you know how God always blesses you because when Satan is lurking or when God is working, Satan is kind of lurking. Uh, and so Satan was lurking. They had this great banquet that was planned for the end of the conference, and we were excited about that. You may have seen some of the pictures and stuff like that. Uh, but there was a great, great attack that came on the conference. You say, well, what was that? Well, the boat that they had actually rented out, the people said on the day of, hey, sorry, no boat. Wow. You missed the boat, dare we say. <laughs> 
And Joe no, no, what are you talking about? Well, we paid for it. Yeah, I'm sorry, the boat's not ready. You don't get to banquet. And I mean, this this was kind of a hit to their faith. It would be a hit to anyone's faith when you put together a conference and the, the crescendo is the great banquet feast. You know, there is going to be a great feast right there. There we say the Last Supper, you know. And we're waiting for the Last Supper. And then they said, no boat, no food. And, and so, so, so Joe, he, he, he prays and everything. He stays faithful and they, they stay fired up about it. And then the company comes back and says, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you another boat. But the only one we have uh, that, that's ready, it isn't the boat that costs, you know, uh, a small amount of money that you've invested. It's the, the only boat we have is the one that costs $30,000. Uh, uh, oh and that one costs $30,000, and it comes with all the food and all that stuff. We think we're just going to give you that boat to have your banquet right there. So. <laughs> the video, Joe was doing this, and he's dancing, and Terry's dancing right there. I even got my wife to dance right there. Even Michelle Williamson danced with me. Only a couple songs, but it was awesome uh, right there. Amen? Okay, are you guys in Mark chapter 1? Yeah! Uh, I've just entitled the message today, Comfort Zone or Combat Zone? What zone are you in? Mark chapter 1. The Bible says this here in verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. I love Jesus. <laughs> we forget sometimes who Jesus was. Jesus was God. He was the Son of God. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Word of God. And yet Jesus is at the end of time and at the beginning of time at the same time. Jesus is in Australia, China, Los Angeles, and wherever you're from, Nigeria, Jamaica, East, West, North, South, he's around the world and at the same place in the same time. Jesus is God, all-powerful, all-knowing, everything. Jesus was in heaven and is in heaven, and I know from the word of God, heaven is a place of comfort. Why? The Bible says there'll be no more tears. You don't have to cry over your council tax. You don't have to cry over getting pushed. You don't have to cry over anything in heaven. <laughs> and yet what we fail to realize is that Jesus Christ was in heaven, and he came down so that we can go up. What's the point? Jesus left his comfort zone for you. Jesus Christ himself left the comforts of heaven to come down for you. And if Jesus left his comfort zone, how much more so should we? It says he went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Of course, that would be the gospel. And of course, you don't understand the good news until you know the bad news. Of course, when you know the bad news, it makes you a lot more grateful for the good news. But if you don't know the bad news, how are you going to appreciate the good news? You know, if you're visiting for the first time, we all have, dare we say, a few things that have happened in our life that are bad news in the eyes of God. <laughs> I think about my life. I think about the sexual impurity that I was in. I think about the racial, the racial thoughts that I had. Uh, I think about just my love for money, my love for comfort. Uh, I think about all the sins that were in my life that in my, my mind, they weren't even sins. I remember they, they told me that I was prideful and I thought that was a good thing. They go, you're very prideful. I go, oh, thanks. <laughs> they go, no, that's a sin. I go, oh, it is. I didn't even know what pride was. And then they started laughing, and I got prideful, got angry. They're laughing at me, right? I mean, that's how steeped in sin I was. I mean, you could be here today, you could be in sin and not even know it. It's come so comfortable for you, you don't even realize that it is part of your character. And so I, I just remember having to, to, to just really hear that I wasn't, quote unquote, as good as I thought I was. I mean, I, I'd had a basically about a 25-year love affair with this person, and the person that I was in love with was myself. I knew how to encourage myself. I knew how to tell myself I was great. I knew how to tell myself I was cool, funny, uh, loving. I, I was just, I mean, you may be, I don't know, maybe it's just me. You may be that kind of person as well, where you are really good at telling yourself who you are. And you may even today need to change your inner conversation. And let Jesus speak to you today. Amen. You know, I found that a lot of us have a lot of inner conversations. And sometimes those conversations inflate us. Sometimes they deflate us. And yet that's why we need the word of God, which is the good news. See, when I understood the bad news, all these sins that were in my life, then when it came to hearing that I can be saved, I can be cleansed, I can actually change, it was good news to me. You may be a disciple. And you may, have been, you may have forgotten the good news. 
We think the good news is just for those who are becoming disciples. Sometimes as disciples, you need a second touch of the gospel. You need to be touched by God again. You need to be in a situation where you go, wow, God touched me, and I want to change. I think this last couple of months, and especially going to two conferences, God touched me. And he is trying to change me from the inside out. I pray you want to change. You want to come out of your comfort zone and hear the gospel again. Are you with me here? He says the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting into casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. I mean, they're in the comforts of their incredible profession. They're having a great time right there. And Jesus says to them, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. After they prayed about it, talked to their parents, asked their friends, put it on Facebook to see how many likes they got. No. It says, at once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little bit farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat, preparing their nets. So they're with their parents. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him and the church said, Amen. I love this right here. Jesus comes to all these individuals and calls them out of their comfort zone. i got to ask you today, are you willing to be out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to let Jesus call you out of your comfort zone? We are in the western part of the world, whether you're in the U.K. or America. And let me tell you something, having traveled to some other places, there are some places that don't live in the comfort that you think is a challenge. They would love your challenges. They would love for someone not to have given you a side hug in the fellowship. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some individuals that go through a hard time. And I really believe that we've got to be willing to be like these individuals called out of our comfort zone and into the combat zone because we are in a war. I think about zones, and I, you know, again, I just asked, what zone are you in? I think about zone nine. <laughs> Woo! That's, I, I remember. Luke, Luke Snow was way out there. He was in zone nine. I don't know. We had to get a passport to go to his place just to see everything. Visa and everything. This is Chesham. I mean, they looked at us and said, hey, do you have a visa to get here? Oh, it's a UK. Okay, you're in. Yeah, it was great. Uh, but, but you know how it is. Zone nine is what we would call way out there. Yeah. And sometimes we can be way out there. Uh, zone 9 is pretty inexpensive. You don't have to pay much money to get a flat out there. It gets a lot more expensive once you come on in. Are you with me here? You could be way out there today. Way out there in your thinking. Way out there in your belief. Way out there. You can believe that church is a bunch of baloney. It's phony. It's fake. And that's where all the hypocrites came. And that's where all the hypocrites go. And all the preachers are hypocrites. And when people tell me that, I say, hey, we can use one more. You can join us. Because the church is full of hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. What messes up the church is us. We are the sinners just telling all the other sinners where to get the bread. And so that at the, at the foot of the cross, the playing field is very even. You know, when you're in zone four, this one's cheap enough to live in. You're just not in zone one. You're a little bit closer. You're just not in zone one. I think about zone two and three. That's kind of more of a comfort zone. Yeah. You're close to zone one right there, but you're, you're not in zone nine or zone four. You're in two, you're in three. You're not in zone one because you know why you're not in zone one? Because zone one costs you. It costs you to be in zone one. It costs you to be right in the center of the city. And you know a lot of people, they don't want to be in the city. They want, I want to get out of the city. Well, heaven is going to be a holy city. It's not going to be a holy countryside where you get to be all your way out. It's going to be, you better get used to being in the city right now because heaven is going to be full of people praising and worshiping God. You know, a lot of people don't like being in the city because they just don't like people. That's really it. It's not that, oh, this, that, that. They just don't think, I'm going to be selfish, be way out there alone and by myself. Yeah. <laughs> In all my comfort, so on and so <laughs> forth. Yet today, the call is very simple for you to get out of your comfort zone and get into the combat zone. Yeah. I want to challenge you today. The Holy Spirit wants to challenge your thinking. I want to challenge your relationship with God. I want, I want you to leave here going, I'm not as close to God as I thought I was. I want you to leave here going, am I, do I really know the word of God? I mean, how much do I know my Bible? 
Do I have a scripture for every single negative inner conversation that I have in my life? Do I have a scripture that builds me up? Do I have a scripture that challenges me? Is there a scripture that I've not yet attained to, that I've not yet lived up to, that I'm still chasing? I want to be able to see I'm doing that right there. I want to challenge you today to get out of the comfort zone and get into the combat zone. I think this is the time of the year that this kind of a sermon is needed. The fall time. Where we fall out of love with God and fall in love with comfort. You know how it is. It's a little cold. A little dark. You get a little cozy. Not sleeping and snuggly. Get a nice little, little tea, a cuppa, for the English, a cuppa, get a cuppa, right, cuppa, right, cuppa, coffee for the Americans right there, you know, you know, get your coffee, and, you know, and, you know, there's an article that talked about this time of the year, and it says the five reasons why, uh, this is the, uh, the, the well, it actually had ten, but I, I wrote down five, uh, reasons why we get so comfortable this time of the year. The first was too much sleep. Somehow, as soon as it gets darker, we just think we just need to sleep more. We just go to sleep, and we just go to sleep. You know, that can happen to you spiritually. When things get darker spiritually, you just go to sleep, and you stop fighting for God. The second thing is the cold weather. It deters us from wanting to be active. That's what the article went into. It just said that when it just gets cold, man, it stops you from really wanting to be active. You know, I was convicted today. We were coming to church. I saw this older couple, and they're out jogging, and I just was like, I should be doing that. I didn't get my exercise in, and, and you know, just see that cold weather. You know, you don't get fired up to go. When it's warm, you see everyone's jumping yeah. on. And all of a sudden, yeah. people get new outfits and everything, and they're jogging and high. You, know. you don't see that that much when it gets cold. No. <laughs> Not very much. It really deters us from being active. And I think spiritually, when things get cold, it shouldn't deter us from wanting to be active and sharing our faith. Yeah. The other one is sad, seasonal affective disorder. Where people, during this time of year, they get sad. I think that happens physically and literally and emotionally. But look, this one says it's seasonal affected. When it just gets cold, you just get sad. You know, and and, and what they say, they say what you need is actually the sun. But we know we need the sun. The sun of God. You're struggling with seasonal affective disorder, you need God. And then the other one is, that helps us to, to, to really get comfortable, is food. You just, you know, you got the winter party at church. You know, we have the church party. You have the office party. You have all the new treats. You have all the mince pies, the creams, and the bread. You know, Sainsbury has a brandy cream right there. And then you got the lemon cream right there. And then you got the Sainsbury. And then you got the taste the difference version. And you really can taste the difference. (laughs) Whoa, this tastes good. This tastes like a whole bunch of weight I'm putting on. Oh, that's exactly what it tastes like. The next one is food. The next one is food. The next one is food. It had like seven different versions. It tried to say it very clever, but it was all food. It's just like during this time, what makes us comfortable is food. <laughs> Whether it's holiday meals, new kinds of meals, reasons to eat, holiday dinner, you just got to eat. And yet Jesus says this here in John chapter 4, verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And the church said, Amen. I mean, that's got to be our food. Finishing the work that God has called us to be a part of and to get out of our comfort zone. Give our best. You know, there's always the story that inspires me of uh, the town villagers who hear that the king is coming to town. He's coming back. And we know our King Jesus is coming someday. <laughs> you never know when. The Bible says twinkling of an eye. And yet, when we think about the mortality rate and how the world death clock says people die every two seconds, you know, Jesus comes back every two seconds for somebody. And yet, in this story, the town villagers hear the king is coming. He's coming back. And so they decide to fill this huge barrel with their best wine. You know, you always want to give the king your best. And uh, they want to have this huge celebration for the king. Uh, they get all dressed up. They start singing songs. They start playing, having the tambourines. They start filling up the barrel all the way to the brim with their best wine. And later, the king arrives, and uh, he fills this cup with uh, with, with, with wine. You know, he goes to the spigot and he gets, gets some wine, 
and, and, and he goes to drink it, and as he drinks it, everyone's watching to see the joy on his face, and he spits it out. It's terrible. It's water. There's no wine in it at all. You say, well, what happened? What happened is each villager individually thought, you know, I'm going to withhold my best wine and just put in a cup of water. Wow. I mean, it's just one cup. I mean, I'm just one villager. I mean, look at the whole village. Everyone's giving, giving their best, but I'll just give a cup of water. That's what one villager said to himself. And that's what one villager did when no one was looking. Guess what happened? So did the other villagers and the other villagers. Until the entire village gave their second best a cup of water. Thinking, my cup will never be missed or make a difference. And the king, displeased, rode off, saddened and in a rage because the entire town withheld their best to remain comfortable. They wanted the king's approval. They just wanted to be able to stay in their comfort zone. See, we can't get our approval from God if we want to stay in our comfort zone. God knows exactly what you need to call you out of your comfort zone. It could be uncomfortable family situations that force you to pray. It could be uncomfortable church situations that force you to pray. It could be uncomfortable relational situations that call you to pray. It could be uncomfortable things that the word of God surfaces from your past that cause you to pray. It could be just uncomfortable financial situations that cause you to, to say, okay, let me fall on my knees and pray. And dare we say, no matter how uncomfortable it is, God is calling you to give your best. You got to ask yourself today, have you, are you giving your best? Are you pouring in your best for the Lord? We are in a battle. And if we aren't giving our best, wow, I don't want King Jesus to come back to the London International Christian Church, North Region, and drive away sad because everyone isn't giving their best. They're in their comfort zone. They're not in the combat zone. Turn to Mark chapter 10. You guys still with me here? Yes. Mark chapter 10. Check this out here. Okay. Story we know very well. It's called the rich... Young ruler. Now, before you start thinking this is referring to Donald Trump and, you know, all the politically elite that are in the world, uh, when you look at rich, anybody in the West is rich. Anytime you can sit in the Holiday Inn on the bottom, and we're even critical of this. We're like, oh, we're in the bottom floor today. I can't believe we're not in the glass house. Oh, man, we're so humble people. We are so entitled to the very best. I mean, can't believe downstairs, air conditioning and nice panel walls and all this stuff. You know, it's so great when God comes, calls you out of your comfort zone. You know, we got back from our, our, our trip in, uh, in Australia, and uh, as soon as we got back, uh, you know, I saw all these beautiful uh, little, uh, not, not just worms coming underneath our bathtub, you know, just small little worms. And I was like, okay, there's one, there's two. Okay, there's a lot of worms here. <laughs> this is not good. Uh, Michelle had noticed that the floor had gotten very dark, the paneling on the floor. And so he said, okay, well, let's, uh, maybe we'll just find out. And then there, I saw next door my neighbors, they had some issues going on in their place, and they had all their stuff torn out. I go, oh, that's them. Thank God it's not me. I think I had that thought. Well, the guy knocked on me. Can I look in your bathroom? There may be some issues. So he goes in our bath. Turns out the whole wall is going to kind of collapse. The bathtub has water underneath it. They start opening up panels. Our whole bathroom looks like a war zone right now. Yeah. It's just as crazy. We got this. Big thing that's running in there trying to dry everything on that. I just said, hey, God is just calling me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. He just wants us to be uncomfortable to help us to get grateful for what we have uh, and realize that we are rich. You know, when I looked at the wall, I actually got a tear in my eye because when I was in Lagos, Nigeria earlier this year, there were several places that were, were that looked like how my place looks now, and that's how they live. And they're, they're fired up about it. They're grateful for it. Yeah. We are the rich young rulers. Anyone who lives in the West and has access to the London tube and a nice coffee and a laptop computer and nice shoes. And I look at most of you and it doesn't look like, uh, we look very healthy. I don't look, I don't, you look very, okay, you guys with me here? So this, this is talking to you, okay, here we go. Now we're on the same page. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, 
A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Man, how religious this guy is. Oh, he falls on his knees as if he's humble. And he falls on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, he just, he's already in sin. What must I do? He wants to earn his salvation. He thinks he can do something to be saved. You know, there's nothing you can do to be saved. Now, yes, you need to respond to the blood of Jesus and get baptized. But there's no one here that's so righteous that they don't need to be saved. And it's sad to say it out loud here and in a sermon, but there are people now that believe, I don't need God. I really don't need God to go to heaven. I don't need the word of God. I don't need the church. I don't need, I'm back. Oh, oh. And, and you know, what's funny for me living in the UK is I, I think that getting open about my weaknesses and my sins sometimes will inspire people. You know what it does here? Sometimes people get critical. They get very critical. I say, yeah, I struggle with this, struggle with that, struggle with that. Oh, what was your upbringing like? Oh, I can see. Oh, you've got past issues. That's why you need a God. Oh, that's your crutch. Oh, God is your crutch. I go, atheism is your crutch. That's my response to that one. Atheism is your crutch. It's what you lean on. Right? We all have faith. And let me tell you something. It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. And that's what I believe. I always say that. I say, well, hey, I appreciate you're an atheist and all, but you got way more faith. I say in the beginning God created the heavens and earth. You say in the beginning nothing created everything. It takes way more faith to believe that than to believe in the beginning God created everything. You're just as religious as me. You are just dishonest about it, and I am very honest about it right there. So sorry for my atheism debate right there. It just came out. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. He said, why do you call me good G-Censored? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Those are all good things for us not to, to do right there. Amen? And I know we as Christians graze over them. Hey, I don't murder. I don't, don't commit adultery. But we got to be careful that we aren't stealing God's time. God has given you time. And if there's one thing you cannot get back, it is time. And he says, do not steal. Do not steal the time God has given you in this life to get out of your comfort zone, get into the battle, because souls are at stake. Wow. He says, do not steal. Do not give false testimony. You know, false testimony is when you don't tell the truth. When you say, Jesus is the best thing in life, but you act completely different. You say, discipling, it works, but you can't be disciple on anything. You say, yeah, you need to come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men, but you're not fishing for anybody. Are you with, are you with me here? I mean, these scriptures that we just graze over, We've got to make sure that we actually are living them out. He says, don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Really? Wow. You are that spiritual. You've done nothing wrong since you were a boy. I mean, he gives his whole spiritual resume and graces over his arrogance very clearly there. He says this, verse 21. Jesus looked at him. And loved him. You know, Mark is the only one who says that. Yeah. Mark is the only gospel that says Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know, when Jesus calls you out of your comfort zone, it's really his love for you. When he's calling you out, and that's what he's doing with this guy. He goes, okay, I, hear, I see, I hear your comfortable commitment. I want to call you out of comfort zone, into the combat zone. And calling you out of that is my love for you. You ever felt like it's not God's love when he calls you out of your comfort zone? Who, who likes to be waking up in the morning? I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I, I don't like it. I, I finally, I just started setting my alarm early in the morning. Now, Michelle, she gets mad at me right now. She hates to be woken up in the early, early morning. Right now. But she's starting to get hard line nowadays. So she's starting to get up at 5 o'clock and stuff like that. She, 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 okay, man, she beat me a couple times here. I'll give you a couple, sweetie. I'll give you a couple. Be honest here. Right? So, uh, I'll give you a couple times here. But, but you know, we, 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 it's, so, it's, it's incredible. We don't like to, you know, I don't like it. I don't want anyone to wake me up. I like to be where I am. And yet it's God's love when he calls you out of your comfort zone. You're so great to get some great disciples from Kippen Lane. What was it at the end of the day to call us out of our comfort zone? What is it? It's just God calling you out of your comfort zone so you can get in the combat zone and you can do great things for his glory, which is how and why you were created. We forget why we were even created. We were created, the Bible says in Revelations, for God's will. 
You weren't created to be a doctor, lawyer, this, that, and the other. He gives you the ability to do those things, but that is not why the Bible says you were created. Mm. You were created for God's will. And you always got to go back and say, is God's will my will? Is God's will my will? That's why he created me. Can you imagine? If you have a cell phone and the cell phone goes, yeah, you know, I know you call me a cell phone, Samsung, but I really am an automobile. <laughs> Thank you for your, I feel like I'm an automobile. So I'm going to put myself on the M25 and see if I can drive down the highway. And then some other automobile, and we get all crashed up in life, and we don't realize that we're not even living out who we should be living out. We're not living according to our purpose, what we were created for. He says this here. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, <laughs> he said. Man, that's scary. One thing can keep you out of heaven. That is scary for me. One thing can block you from going to heaven. You, you, you can harden your heart right now. You can get hard-hearted. I've done it. I know. I sat on the other side, and, and I heard the preaching, and, I, and, I, and I, I remember just getting hard-hearted, hearing that I was lost, hearing that I couldn't look at porn anymore, hearing that I couldn't uh, sleep around. Hearing that I had to be humble and let God choose who uh, he wanted me to be friends with. Hearing that uh, the word of God was something I had to rely on. Hearing that I needed to pray. I mean, prayer takes humility. Prayer takes humility. It's an exercise. When I heard all that stuff, the first time, I was like, oh, I just got overwhelmed and got hard-hearted. Instead of being soft-hearted. And it scares me because I go, wow, I don't want one thing to keep me out of heaven. It's just one thing you lack. You always got to ask yourself when you hear a lesson like this, what is the one thing I like? What is the one thing that can keep me out of heaven? What is it? For some of us, it's not going into the ministry. Because you need to be in a ministry. You see, I'm in the ministry not because of I, I'm anything, but I, I, think, I think God knew. You need a lot of eyes on you. You need a lot of responsibility. and you Because you care about people and you don't like messing people up. And so when you see yourself hurting people, you'll repent right away. I'm going to put you in leadership. I'm going to put you in leadership because you're the weakest. You're the weakest. That's why you're a leader. Because you are the weak. Not because you're the strongest, you're the best. No, you struggle. I haven't heard anybody in the London National Christian Church that has worse struggles than I've ever had. I mean, I've had some bad stuff. I'm a wicked guy. Proud, arrogant. I've done it all. I, I can't, I can't, I don't know very many sins in the Bible that I, I don't think I even thought about or considered or thought, hmm, it may not be bad to try, you know. And so I think that's why God put me in this position, not because of anything that I am and any good, but I, 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 get, I get nervous and I go, I, I don't want to have one thing keep me out of heaven. And I tell you, I need to be in leadership because I love people. I love God. And I want to see so many more people become Christians. What is the one thing you lack? If you're, an, if you're a ministry person, you need to be, it could be, the, you can, a lot of us, it could, that could be the one thing you like. You like the faith to be who God has called you to be. And it can steal your destiny. It can stop you from going to heaven. How do we know? You guys got to give me all your heart or half your heart. I'm going to go for a half clap. So you either give me all your claps or no claps. Let's find out if this guy was excited about it, to come out of his comfort zone. Verse 22. At this, the man's face lit up. He got so excited. No. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said, Jesus uses this guy to disciple the whole church. Yeah. He weighs him out and he looks around at everybody else. So Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You know, you always got to study out the word of God. And when it says it is harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, what this is actually talking about is talking about the city gate. During that time, it was this was very known language to them. This was not a shocking kind of radical thing where you're like an eye, you know, camel going through like a little pin needle. That's not what he's talking about. In the city gate, they had a part of the gate called the eye of the needle. 
What was the eye of the needle? It was a little small three-foot little hole in the side of the gate. See, in the evening time, they would close the gates, and you couldn't get into the city. You know, there'll come a time where God will close the gates. You won't be able to get into his holy city. And so this would happen as a kind of, there we say, a foreshadowing of, of, of your salvation often. Boom, the gates close, and people would freak out. And, 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 and those who came late when the gates closed had one last chance to get in. And it was through the eye of the needle. So they would have to go through the eye of the needle. Here's the problem with the eye of the needle. It was only a little three-foot little hole. Okay? So people that did not have camels, you're good to go. The only thing you got to do is get down on your knees, humble yourself, and crawl on into the kingdom of God, dare we say. And then you're in. But several would come after the gates closed and they'd have their camels. Now, if you had a big camel, boom, you're done. You're out. You're not even getting in. The only camels that could come through the eye of the needle, and there were some, were camels that had to empty everything they owned. See, camels would carry all your belongings. So in order for you to go through the eye of the needle, you'd have to take all your belongings off the camel. The camel would have to go down on its knees. You and the camel would have to come crawling in and come. And it was, even then, it was hard to get on in. And Jesus is telling us very clearly, very, very, very clearly, that it isn't going to be comfortable to get into the kingdom of God. It's hard for the rich. You got to get on your knees. You got to come crawling in. It isn't a comfortable ascent into the kingdom of God. I had the wrong thinking when I got baptized. I thought I was getting baptized into heaven. So I got baptized in the kingdom. <laughs> you know, you say, oh, I'm a disciple. Everything's easy now. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Round one. <laughs> That's what it was. I thought I was fighting the whole time. No, no, no. You just begun to fight. Right? And it only takes one shot. Kind of like Usyk with uh, Tony Bellew last night. Boom. And you're out. <laughs> Those boxing enthusiasts that are here today. Um, no, Martin knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Are you willing to come crawling into the kingdom? Do you remember when you came into the kingdom? Is that how you came in? Broken, contrite, into the kingdom of God. Just, just trying to get on in. Just fighting, coming out of your comfort zone. There's no better example than this. At this appropriate time, there's so many examples in the church, but no better at this appropriate time, I believe, given the fact that our last baptism was from their family. Yes. I I'll never forget Martin coming into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. He had all of his stuff. Had a big old camel up there. <laughs> and he was trying to come into the kingdom with the stuff and the camel. And, and it was hard. It was hard. It was hard. It was, it was a couple of years. It was tough. And, 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 I, and I, you know, we, we need to keep in our prayers. She's got some medical challenges, and we need to be praying for her. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Martin's sitting right here. And he came out of his comfort zone Amen. to come into the kingdom. And not only did he bring his wife, he's got both of his kids. Yeah. And they're saved disciples. <laughs> you ask Martin if it was worth it to come out of his comfort zone. You ask him. I guarantee you. He will say, it was worth it yeah. to come out of my comfort zone and to get into the combat zone. Amen. Yeah, I've been proud of the church. We've had 10 baptisms over the last four weeks. Uh, we have one appointment, and we got two more. We're going to appoint Tommy Wah and Vienna here at the uh, next Congregational Worship Service. They're going to be appointed women's ministry leader and evangelist. Uh, at the MC, we had three dating couples. That was awesome. Uh, we had one engagement right there. Samuel Jai is engaged. Uh, and uh, I've been talked to by about five to seven who want to go into the full-time ministry. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And we are the only world sector that actually is financially self-supporting. Uh, so I really want to lift up the church. And I'm excited that next year, in 2019, we're going to be planning the Amsterdam International <laughs> Christian Church. We've got to get in the battle, guys. With all that that we've done, we still have got to get in the battle. Turn to Mark chapter 9. That's our first point, get in the battle. Get in the battle. Battles aren't comfortable. You say, well, I don't want to get in the battle. You already lost. You're in one already. There's a battle going on for your soul. There's a battle going on for your mind. 
we're in a war of ideas. Someone will tell you you need to be a, a liberal. Someone else will tell you you need to be a conservative. Someone else will tell you you need to be a Republican. Someone else will tell you you need to be a Democrat. Someone will tell you you need to be this or that. But Jesus tells you you need to be a son of God. You need to be a daughter of God. In Mark chapter 9, the Bible says this in verse 42. It says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for them to be if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble or sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. You say, why get into battle? Because there is a place called hell and people are going there. That's why. You say, oh, I shouldn't get into battle because we're in a European world sector. We got to grow. Shouldn't get into battle because my leader told me to. Shouldn't get into battle because I want to be personally fruitful. No, you should get into battle because people are going to hell. That's why you should get into battle. That's why you should share your faith. That's why you should come out of your comfort zone and call people to come into the kingdom of God. Hell is too long to end up being wrong. Hell is way too long to end up being wrong. That's why we got to get into battle. There's two reasons why people go to hell. First one is sin. It's one of the reasons people go to hell. Sin. There are a lot of sins that are out there. Sins of unbelief. That's probably one of the biggest. The sin of unbelief. Can you imagine a son sitting on his father's lap, looking his father directly in the eye, going, I don't believe in you, Dad. Yeah. That's the generation you live in. Yeah. The son is sitting on his father's lap while the father's patting him on the back and rubbing him. And, yeah. and the son looks at him in arrogance and pride and has the audacity to say, I don't believe in you. I don't feel like you created me. This is the world we live in. You know, that, that son doesn't need some scientific explanation. You know what he needs? A stern talk by dad. Yeah. Probably some stern discipline. Yeah. <laughs> a dad to go, what are you talking about? I created you. And if you grew up in my, my part of the world, in my life, my mother used to say, boy, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that very early on, and I believed it too. Not long, but not play any games. Yeah. You know, she loved me so much, but man, she disliked me. And she, she would tell me that. She meant it. She said, I brought you in. I'll take you out. You know, and, and, I, and my mom was tough, too. And she, she it was really, I had an interesting mom. Really pretty, but really tough. I mean, it just was like, man, God, God gave me what I needed. <laughs> he gave me exactly what I needed. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad when people go to hell because of sin. It's even worse when disciples go to hell because of sin. That, that's scary, man. There's so much sin that's out there. Yet the greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. I, I just want to encourage you today. If you are struggling with the sin of unbelief, you can believe today. Yeah. And I want to challenge you to stop doubting and believe that you can change. Believe the word of God. Yeah. Believe it. Yeah. Well, unbelief is one of the greatest sins that are out there. Because people just don't believe anymore. They just stop believing in the Bible. It's one of the reasons people go to hell, because of sin. You know the other great reason why people go to hell? Because nobody's trying to save them. Of course, that's a sin, but I wanted to break it up in two so you can really get the yeah. point. Because no one's trying to save them. The first time you hear someone say, Oh, no, I don't believe in God. Oh, yeah, okay, great. All right, sorry for bothering you. Can you believe that? That's the world we live in. Is that you as a disciple? I'm not calling you to have a two hour argument with someone, but yes, I'm calling you to have a two hour debate with someone. I'm, I'm calling you to care that much. We had a great time yesterday. I coached my son's basketball game. I mean, we got, we got the trash beat out of us. Whew, it, was, it was a great, great humbling experience. Michael played great, <laughs> despite all the opportunities. I mean, he was the only one out there scoring and trying and doing all this stuff. And it was great. We, 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 got, we got annihilated. Uh, on top of getting beat, the, the top coach, uh, you know, he wasn't a person who I would say had the most humble character. Very loud, very angry, very, very, uh, I was afraid. I mean, they won the game, but man, his players looked, oof. I just went, wow, that's what that looks like. It was, it was a tough one. And at the end of the game, I told our players, hey, shake their hands. 
Keep a positive attitude. I'm not trying to tell them guys. I'll do the same. And I shook his hand and go, hey, nice game. Uh, my friend, my brother, he goes, I'm not your brother. And he just goes off. <laughs> and for a split second, I went. <laughs> I have decided to follow. I mean, right there, Michelle was there, and I could feel the spirit of God and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, let me, I'm a preacher, so I'll let him find out. He got to fight with a preacher. He's like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. I can't ever get up. So I just went really happy in that moment, and I just went, too. Sir, have a great day. And I, and I walked off, and then he gave me a dirty look. And I go, great day. And then the game was over, like 15 minutes later, and he looked at me on the, he was right at the door when we go out, and he was looking at me, and I was just like, and, every, and I walked out, and I go, have a great day, sir. And I walked out, and I got right to the door, and he goes, can I have a word with you? And I go, oh, no, another fight. <laughs> I turned back, and then, He starts apologizing. You know how you know how grown men are. It's really hard for us to apologize. You know what I mean, Renee? It's hard for us sometimes. So anyway, so he starts apologizing, and we have this great talk, and, and he starts getting open about his life. And I told him I'm a preacher, and then the fear of God comes over. Tell him your number. Maybe we could talk someday. And I go, yeah, yeah. And I get his number, and it was great. And I just go, wow. And I said, hey, I'm, I, I said, I said, you know, what, what really just anything else I want to say. So what, what disappointed me most isn't that you you just you said nasty things right there. What hurt me the most, and I had to say I was hurt. And you, for those of you that know me, you know that that was that was a stretch of humility for me to admit that I was hurt. That was that was okay, bro. You have been around me for a while. That was a stretch of humility. I went, you hurt me right there. He goes, I hurt you. I go, no, you hurt me. He goes, what hurt you? I go, well, I said, brother, because I see you as my brother. And you said I'm not your brother. That hurt. I gave him some gut number. These two big guys standing there getting all emotional. And then my players at the end, they go, I can't believe you were so calm, coach. Wow. What, what was, what, how'd you do that? And this one kid that said it is a kid who doesn't believe in the Christian faith. And so I said to him, I said, it was Jesus and his God. And he goes, and he took note. He took note. But it was a battle. It was a battle. chapter 12. Let's bring it in for a close here. We've got to defeat the enemy. You guys still with me here? Yes. Yeah. Revelation. Not Revelations. Sorry. Only one Revelation. Chapter 12. We've got to defeat the enemy. How do you do that? So I've got the battle. How do I defeat the enemy? Well, verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brother. You know, Satan is always accusing us. Yeah. You may have come accused today. I want to encourage you. You don't need to be accused. That is from the devil. Yeah. He says, for the accuser of our brother, who accuses them before our God day and night. He's been hurled down. They overcame him by having really strong intellectual knowledge. No. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. It says, how do you overcome the enemy? The blood of Jesus. The cross. See, the fight is fixed. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. When you've got the cross in your life. When you've responded to the cross. You're, 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 you know, Satan is afraid. Everybody's going to die. 
And Martin Luther King was one of the, my, I love him, he was one of my greatest heroes. But Martin Luther King could not overcome death. Churchill is one of my favorite heroes. But Churchill overcame a lot of things. But Churchill did not overcome death. Say what you will about Margaret Thatcher. I don't want to get into a political debate. Don't throw tomatoes at me. Don't, don't hit me. Don't hurt me. I'm still a Christian. Still believe in me. God has called me here. But okay. Say what you will about Margaret Thatcher. She didn't. She overcame a lot. She got London going. It was awesome. Uh, I know there's still a north-south divide. Be unified, guys. Okay. Be unified. Don't don't say I'm from the north and you, you hurt us and I'm from the south and we're better. Don't do that. Okay. So anyway, she she couldn't overcome death. Gandhi was great. Radical. Gandhi, one of the ways he stayed pure, even though he was a Christian, was he, he would fast, fast from sexual intimacy, but fast from it. And he overcame a lot, but he did not overcome death. He did not overcome death. Satan is only afraid of the only person who has overcome death, and that is Jesus. And that is a true disciple who's responded to the blood of Jesus. You can overcome death when you are a true disciple. You don't even have to be afraid to die. Because you know as a true disciple, when you die, you don't die. You just trade places. You go to heaven. And that's where you get all your comfort. Are you with me in church? Yeah. Yeah. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony. What is that? Sharing your faith. You know how you overcome being depressed? Share your faith with someone who's really stressed? You know how you overcome being lazy? Stay up late and get into a Bible study with someone who's on the brink of divorce. Yeah. You know how you overcome really being down about London and critical about London? Is getting into a Bible study with somebody and seeing what's going on in their life. Sharing your faith, the word of your testimony. I've shared my faith with some people that have said some things that are just that just were not for it wasn't it God's plan was not for me to actually save them, it was to keep me saved. See, sharing your faith is not only to save the lost, it's to keep the saved safe. Yeah. Yeah. So when you stop bringing people to church and setting up Bible studies, and there stops being forceful advancement because we are in the battle, that means if you're not growing, you are dying. And when the church stops growing, you're dying. If you stop growing, you'd be concerned if you're a parent, and you had a little three-year-old, and all of a sudden, after six years, they're still three. Yeah. And then after eight years, they're still three. And they get 15, a little three-year-old with some whiskers coming and everything. <laughs> Weird. My three-year-old got some little hairs and stuff like that. What's going on? Are, are you with me here? Yeah. You're not, this is the same with the church. Yeah. The church has got to grow. The North region has to grow. Yeah. And how are you gonna, how's it going to grow? Well, we got to defeat the enemy by sharing our faith. Yeah. You don't defeat the enemy by anything else. This is by sharing. It says they didn't love their lives so much as the strength from death. That's pretty uncomfortable calling. But that's what it takes to overcome an enemy, to be willing to die. I'm tired of most men's men, and I'm speaking to the men today, in this point. I don't like the fact that most of the manly men want to join the Muslim faith. You know why they want to join the Muslim faith? Because they think that's the faith where real men are. People ready to die for something. That's the only reason why, because they're ready to die. That's it. They go, wow. Why did so many men sign up for the war? They wanted to die for something. Most men want to die for something. I pray you want to die for something. If you don't have nothing to die for, you have nothing to live for. I want to die for the kingdom of God. And that sounds kind of noble for most of us guys. Like, yeah, let's die. We get our blood boiling. Yeah, let's die. Well, that's not really the call today. The call is to live for Jesus. It's easy to die somewhere. You're dead. No. How about living every day for Jesus? How about living for him? Come on. That's what God wants. Let's live for him. He says, uh, therefore you rejoice, heavens, you who dwell in them, but water the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury, because he knows his time is short. We overcome the blood. With the blood, we overcome by not loving your life, and we overcome by sharing our faith. That's how we overcome. Yeah. And that's how we fight to win, guys. You fight to win, it's called sharing your faith. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. We, we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to start sharing our faith like crazy. Yeah. 
we gotta start sharing our faith. I'm not gonna tell you what type, but I'm gonna start fasting. My fast starts tomorrow. Um, and I'm gonna fast for personal fruit. But it's time for us to start getting fruitful here in the north. It's time for us to start getting fruitful in the church. It's time for us to get the battle. Right? It's time for us to get the battle. It's time for us to fight to win. And you cannot win in an army unless you have recruits. If we don't have recruits, we're not gonna win the battle. We should have grown out of this small space a long time ago. The issue is that not everybody's in the battle. You're too busy saving yourself and keep yourself safe, and you need to go out and start saving other people. And that actually keep you safe and save other people. And then what happens when you're not in the battle, you start fighting the wrong battle, like Eliab in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You start fighting against David instead of with David. Yeah. Critical of David instead of being with David. That's that's what happens. You start seeing the church one folks head can we have this long psychological talk? I didn't like this. I didn't. Just get together and go start sharing your faith with each other. Get together and start evangelizing with each other. Our evangelism is too low in our church. We, we, we've got to have several individuals coming to the waters of baptism. And to win in a battle, we need recruits, guys. David had his mighty men. I love those guys. They're radical. They're crazy. One of the guys in Benaniah, he went down into a pit on a snowy day, killed a lion. That's crazy. One guy, he, says his, he fought till his hand was frozen to the sword. Is that comfortable? Is that a, I mean, we read it, yeah, hand frozen. No, frozen to the sword. So numb, he just, oh yeah, man, couldn't let it go. Wow. He just couldn't let go of the word of God. He couldn't let go of the sword of the spirit. Disciples let go of the Bible sometimes. We stop sharing our faith. We've got a lot of weapons to win the war. One is the word of God, preaching the word of God. One, as I said earlier, is fasting and prayer. Prayer and fasting helps win battles, guys. Mine starts tomorrow. I want to challenge you to start fasting tomorrow. Yeah. Start fasting for personal fruit. Yeah. I want to challenge you to fast until you're personally fruitful. Yeah. See, a lot of times we've had a lot of campaigns where we kind of try to do something for a while, but it isn't personal for every single person. Mm. Yeah. But this one is. This one is. This is a serious one. <coughs> this is time to get out of our comfort zone. To get in the combat zone. I'm fasting for personal fruit for me. Yeah. For me to be fruitful. Yeah. I'm also yeah. fasting for the money to put on the recruits. We need to increase our contribution, and we need to have a love offering. We will come back to the church in roughly about three to four days, and you'll see an email that will break down exactly what we're calling everybody to do so that we can win a battle. Because you can't win a battle without recruits. And we have individuals that want to be full-time in the ministry. I so love Luke. Luke yeah. Come on, Luke. Luke Snow. I don't call him Luke Snow. I call him Luke Rowe. One disciple who's changed the whole North region, changed the whole church. Can you imagine if Paul had two other guys with him sharing their faith and we met two or three Lukes? Maybe Juliet? Or Jennifer? What's a good English name? Emily? How about Emily? Oh, okay. How about Emily? How about Emily? Brian, my name is Emily. I'd like to come to church. Rachel's going to disciple me in my English accent. <laughs> Will it be comfortable raising our contribution? No. But I don't have any worry about the London church. That, that's not been one of our challenges. But I do want to raise to you, don't let your comfort of money stop people from being put on full time. <clears throat> See, we've raised enough here in the church to run London, but we have not raised enough to put on the interns for London to begin propelling churches. Yeah. We, we don't have that. we got enough for London to kind of stay comfortable. But we don't have enough to put on interns. Yeah. You know who wants to be an intern in church? Paul, sorry. Yeah. He wants to be an intern. He wants to quit. He wants to be an intern. I believe it. Yeah. I love Paul. Yeah. You know who wants to be an intern in church? Joseph. Yeah. I think Joseph got came into the water wanting to be an intern. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Go anywhere, do anything, give up everything. Of course, sure. Why not? What's wrong with people that don't want to do that? Yeah. I mean, he's a little good-hearted, but he's got that growl in him. He's got that fight right there. I love when he saw the leads. Do we have any sisters that are ready? Come on, sisters. You sisters don't want to go into ministry. You're in sin. You're comfortable, and you need to repent. And it can keep you out of heaven. And I'm only saying that because I have not been approached. We have not been radically approached by sisters going, 
Sign me up for the Christian Jubilee. Yeah. Sing it. Sing it. But we gotta say, sign me up for the Christian Jubilee. I want to be led by a man of God that gets me to heaven. I want to be led by a man that wants to get me to heaven. Not I want to be led by somebody that will give me my dream. Your dream can end in a nightmare. Especially if it's not God's will. How many times do you need to hear that? It's time that we as a church, we take seriously this, this sermon today. And we say, it's time for London to get into the combat zone. And to get out of our comfort zone. To give up our things. Whatever that needs to be. I talked to one of our, our leaders. He goes, well, I've gone through everybody's budget. They don't have any more to give. Well, we'll give up our things. We'll sell stuff. We'll raise the money. I'm raising my contribution. I'm raising it. So he can be on staff. So he can be on staff. He can be on staff. And for any other sister that has the qualifications and the example wants to be on staff, we need to do that. We need the recruits to win the battle. We need to give up our things in closing. Things upon the mantle. Things on every shelf. Things that others gave me. Things I gave myself. Things I've stored in boxes that don't mean much anymore. Old magazines and memoirs behind the attic door. Things on hooks and hangers. Things on ropes and rings. Things I guard that blind me to the pettiness of things. Am I like a rich young ruler, ruled by all that I own? If Jesus came and asked me, could I leave them all alone? Oh Lord, I look to heaven, beyond the veil of time, to gain eternal insight that nothing's really mine, and to only ask for daily bread and all contentment brings, to find freedom as your servant in the kingdom of God in the midst of all these things. For discarded in the junkyards, rusting in the rain, lie things that took the finest years of lifetimes to obtain. A whistling through the tombstones, the hallow breezes sing, a song of dreams surrendered to the tyranny of things. May God help every single one of us in the North region, in the London church, to dream big. To get out of our comfort zone. To be willing to do anything. To go anywhere and give up anything to see all of Europe evangelized in our day. God bless you. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one